0: Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau, as well as the rest of the team at Lucasfilm, have dreamed up over the past 40 years. By the way, all of those folks, except George, of course, were at the Anaheim Convention Center this past weekend. And you know who else was there? Brian Gaughan, who was covering the 2022 edition of Star Wars Celebration for this podcast. We will talk about what he saw and experienced in a moment. Plus, on the second half of today's show, we will talk about the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the new limited series on Disney+. But first, before we get to the news, we have to acknowledge our sponsor, uh, the folks at Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at StorybookDestinations.com. So let's just get to it, Brian. It's Thursday morning. And when did you get up to get in the car to drive down to Anaheim? Well, just
1: a little background. I've been mm-hmm. going to the Comic Con for about forty years—the San Diego Comic Con—and I, you know, I know how to do the Comic Con, and but this is a whole different animal. I didn't realize this when you get your badges. You have to make sure that they're they were um, uh, turned on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then there was all these things that you, you had to go on to a lottery system to get into the bigger
0: panels and stuff like that. I kind of blame that on Hall H at Comic-Con. There used to be all this concern about people sleeping outside on the ground there so they could be sure to get in the next day into whatever was being presented in Hall H and this became the default the reservation system the wristband that sort of thing and which i think kind of complicated things or or at least took some of the fun out of it
1: yeah it basically took the fun out of just being there and mm-hmm. well because first what you have to do is you mm-hmm. have to get into the um the shoots mm-hmm. so when you get there you go to the bottom
2: mm-hmm. of
1: the the convention center and there's mm-hmm. this huge Area where they put in it has to be about ten thousand people, mm-hmm. and so I got there on Thursday. Now, mm-hmm. I have you know I've been to the Anaheim Convention Center quite a bit, so I know where there's their secret parking spaces. So I got there, got a parking space. You know, walked about a half a mile, which is fine. I like walking in the morning, mm-hmm. but then I got down into this basement, and boy. It, it's cold when there's nobody in there, but then when the, you know, everybody starts sucking up the oxygen. So I'm standing there and I started getting sweaty and, and just, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it lightheaded. I would cough and my stomach would hurt. I'm going, Oh no, this is, this is, I don't know what's going on with this. Finally, after two hours, they let us in. And I was aware that in the morning they have the big panels and they're all sold out, basically, but they have standby lines. But also the big panels have overflow mm-hmm. stages. So I decided to go to one of the overflow stages. And I did get in. At the last minute, they let about 200 people in. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get a seat. And on Thursday, the first one was the Lucas Film Studio Showcase. Okay. Now, they named it this... Mm-hmm. Because you knew that they were going to show something besides just Star Wars, mm-hmm. so it starts off with this red light, and all of a sudden the curtain pulls back, and you hear see a full orca- or a full choir singing "Duels of the Fates."
0: Okay, that'll get your attention.
1: And as soon as it's over, Owen mm-hmm. and Hayden mm-hmm. walk out on the stage. Mm-hmm. stand there, and boy, is there a lot of love for mm-hmm. the two of them. Mm-hmm. And then Owen picks up the mic and says, hello there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And everybody goes wild. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know, did you know that hello there is a thing? I guess I did not. No. Yeah, I guess that's what Obi-Wan said to R2-D2 when he first met him, like, hello there. And now that's a thing. Uh, And Owen has to say it all the time, and everybody goes crazy. And then they brought out the rest of the cast um, for Obi-Wan, and Kathleen Kennedy, and Nicole Brown, who is like the ultimate Star Wars fan, so she always hosts these things. Mm -hmm. And they pull um, Moses Ingram, who plays Inquisitor Reva, and also Ruber Friend, who plays the Grand Inquisitor. They came out and, you know, they, they talked a little bit about the, the show and and stuff like that. And I think at this time he said, mm-hmm. we're not going to show you any scenes from it, but we will show mm-hmm. tonight, if you come back here, mm-hmm. the first two episodes.
0: Oh, cool, cool,
1: cool. So we'll talk about that later, but I was mm-hmm. able to come and, and watch Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm with 2,000 of my new friends. Oh. It was really great. So the rest the rest of the, the panel was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought out Diego Luna for mm-hmm. uh, Andor, and mm-hmm. I've never seen a more happy person. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is ecstatic mm-hmm. that he's in this series, and that, I mean, if I, if I think about it, this is a series that really do we need something like this?
0: I'm not necessarily a fan of the new trilogy. I mean, I think it's, I think there's some lovely elements, there's some lovely individual scenes, some fun characters, but I I don't know is it it hangs together all that well. On the other hand, I think personally that Star Wars Rogue One is a really great film. And to give credit where credit is due, that's a lot of that's on Tony Gilroy, who kind of came riding over the hill to do a lot of work of the script and handle the reshoots when Things kind of slid off track. So the fact that here we are, you know, with back Diego Luna and, and by the way, have you heard the elevator pitch for this? It's supposedly when you hear the pitch, of course, you got to make this, this movie or this limited series. It's it's mission impossible meets the hunt for red October. Oh, wow. (laughs) And It's like, oh, okay. All right. You, You have my attention. But yeah, the whole notion that starting in August of this year, we get 12 episodes for season one, and then there will be a season two also of 12 episodes. But the idea is that it starts five years out from Rogue One. And when it ends, it links right up with where Rogue One picked up. I get we all have our individual tastes and favorites when it comes to the films. But when I heard this one was in the works, it's like, Ooh, want to see that one.
1: Well, yeah. And and the reason why I think they might have done it or, or, or they wanted to do it because Diego is – he's almost a big star. Mm-hmm. And they could still get him and do things. And I really think that this is going to add to the whole – Mystique of Star Wars and what exactly what they're trying to do besides mm-hmm. just giving us a mythology,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it's a it's a man's journey, and it's they focus on the fact that this is this is a very personal story for this character mm-hmm. that he starts out five years as not a pleasant man, and mm-hmm. then he eventually turns into something else. So mm-hmm. Dave Filoni says later on in the mm-hmm. the panels. That Star Wars and what George brings to it is mm-hmm. all about hope. Mm-hmm. It's all about change for the good, and that's what I think this series is going to really focus on more than anything. And I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, I loved Rogue One, and I just I like that they're going in different directions with the Star Star Wars um, mythology.
0: I agree. I agree. But as you mentioned, it it was called the Lucasfilm Studio Showcase for a reason, because they're not just doing Star Wars stuff. And so next up was the Willow. Willow. It was
1: really funny, because Ron Howard comes out with John Kasdan, John Kasdan being the son of Lawrence Kasdan. And they say, well, we're we're sorry that Willow himself, Warwick, can't make it. And, of course, Mm -hmm. Warwick Mm -hmm. comes out. Mm -hmm. And they announce other people, Joanne Whaley is going to be in it really yeah she's picking up the sword again and mm-hmm. she looks great mm-hmm. and so she's there and then they also introduce like the three mystics or something that's going to be aaron kellyman wh- mm-hmm. who you know from falcon and oh falcon the and Winter soldier. soldier and also solo mm-hmm. rosellis Sellers, and Ellie Bamber, And mm-hmm. somehow, I don't know how they're they're going to be in it, but, mm-hmm. like, one is the daughter, and then another one is uh, the mother of the... I don't know. I'm all confused. But I can't wait mm-hmm. to see it, because it looks really good. And they play in the background, too. I remember mm-hmm. re- remember when we saw the movie, I mean, that, that James Horner had that great theme mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to see that played again. So, yeah, it's going to be... It's a series that's going to really help, you know, again, it's still part of Lucasfilm, and I'm glad that they're doing stuff like that, too.
0: No, absolutely. And, and worth noting here, folks, that we, we do have a premiere date, November 30th of this year. And I have to say, the trailer looked really good. So we go from Willow and and then we we drift back to more Star Wars news. Yeah, and then the boys come
1: out, and mm-hmm. the boys being Dave Filoni and mm-hmm. John Favreau, mm-hmm. who the crowd loves them, and for a mm-hmm. reason because mm-hmm. they've given us you know Star Wars more than we ever could have had it before. Mm-hmm. Filoni with the Clone Wars, and now doing live action, and they're just, you know, they're the conquering heroes. They come in Mm -hmm. there, and the crowd goes crazy for them. And, of course, they're talking about uh, Mandalorian Season season Mm 3. And they give a a short little sizzle reel. And it was funny, because in this little trailer, Mm -hmm. there was hardly any Grogu in it. Mm -hmm. But then there were a couple, um, you know, surprises Mm-hmm. In it, and uh, Carl Weathers is going to be back, mm-hmm. and Bryce Dallas Howard is going to direct an episode, and then they show Bo Katan, and mm-hmm. it's basically, it looks like it's going to take place on Mandalore. Mm-hmm. but then they talk more about that in the other panel, the the panel that was on Saturday. Okay. So it looks really, it looks really good, and Katie Sakhaloff comes out there, and she goes, "You didn't think you'd get rid of me that easily." Mm-hmm. And I really think, well, of course, Mandalore, it started this whole thing.
0: On Saturday, they did a beefier take on Osaka, right? But but they touched on Osaka briefly on this thing. Likewise, talked about John Watts, the gentleman who's directed the most recent Spider-Man trilogy. He's also got his own limited series in the works for Disney.
1: I think this was the, the big surprise, the big announcement, uh, something that's brand new because nobody heard it. You know, I, I was talking to people in the line afterwards, and nobody had heard that this was going to be a series. It's called Skeleton Crew, mm-hmm. and it's about children who get mm-hmm. lost in the Star Wars universe, and they have to find their way home.
0: And it stars Jude Law. Yeah. You were just talking about folks like Diego Luna, big yeah. name performers, and, and the notion of Jude Law is doing a Star Wars limited series. That's kind of cool. So then th- there was just so much
1: I mean, excitement, but people were just like when Watt came out to introduce this, it was it was like a lull in it. People mm-hmm. were like, you know, okay, I can take a breather. And that's mm-hmm. when they, they came out again and showed Ahsoka, they talked Mm -hmm. about Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. and then afterwards, they introduced, Kathleen came out, Mm -hmm. and she introduced uh, John Williams Uh... for, you know, his his 90th birthday was February 8th, but Mm -hmm. she celebrated it there, and she Mm -hmm. said that when they were doing the Obi-Wan series, that they Mm -hmm. realized that there was not an Obi-Wan theme. Mm Mm-hmm. That there was a theme for every character in the Star Wars universe almost, but mm-hmm. not Obi-Wan. So they asked John to write mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. he was there to conduct mm-hmm. the world premiere of the Obi-Wan theme.
0: Oh, wow.
1: It was wonderful. Okay. And then he, afterwards he goes, since this is the Lucasfilm showcase, mm-hmm. there's more to Lucasfilm than Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then he plays a little ditty from Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And after it was done, mm -hmm. Mr. Harrison Ford Mm -hmm. came on stage and wished him a a happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And then also talked about the new film coming Mm -hmm. out. And I guess it's going to come out June 30th. But we don't have a title for it yet. Do we? Have we heard anything?
0: No, no. In fact, I'm hearing in kind of the classic fashion. We may get a trailer this summer, more likely this fall. But yeah, that's June 2023, and anxiously awaiting what you know the title of this one will be.
1: Yeah, and, and Harrison also announced that, I guess, John is going to do the soundtrack, too. Oh, wow! Yeah, so this may be his last
0: uh. big major
1: film that he'll be doing. Because he's, oh. you know, he still looks great, though, for 90. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, John ends with the mm-hmm. Imperial March, and mm-hmm. everybody walks out happy.
0: At what part in the weekend, didn't they reveal that Taika Watiti's Star Wars movie kind of slippy-slidey is a release date, maybe 2023, maybe 2024? Well, I don't remember it being announced in any of the... The panels,
1: though, or I might have mm. missed it because I was so excited about other things. Okay. But yeah, I, I haven't, I didn't hear about it. Of course, there was talk about it in the, mm. you know, when you're in the shoots and when you're waiting oh, no, 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 no. lines, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to everybody knows everything, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I, I and another thing about the the crowds there, you're never going to be with a, a bunch of nicer people. Mm-hmm. And greater people because they all are there for one thing and that's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they know you're there for the two. And mm-hmm. everybody wants to talk. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to talk Star Wars. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk how Star Wars means to them. And they will do anything for you. If you mm-hmm. if you need to go to the you know, get out of line for a little while, they will mm-hmm. hold your place in line. And everybody around you will know. Okay? he's coming back or stuff like mm-hmm. that and even if I, I i guess there were some cutting in line but mm-hmm. there was no animosity i mean people didn't care they were all mm-hmm. going in the same place so you know cool, it cool. happens it was it was really it was one of the better when you're around a lot of group of people mm-hmm. you know sometimes you you know you, you get that whole day of the locust thing but not here
0: uh, cool. well i and, and obviously again that night You got to see the first two episodes of Obi-Wan with your new, good, close, personal friends.
1: Here's another thing, too, about going to see a movie in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. It used to be nobody would talk in a movie theater. Now people talk in movie theaters. And Mm -hmm. I have to agree that it does irritate me. But watching Mm Obi-Wan, I sat next to a group of kids. Well, Mm -hmm. kids are probably in their late 20s. Mm-hmm. but from South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And they came out here as a group and they were able to get a wristband to come and see this movie. Mm-hmm. And they were talking through the film mm-hmm. and it did not bother me mm-hmm. because what they were saying was pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like during <laughs> during the film, mm-hmm. when Reva comes out, the inquisitor mm-hmm. Reva come out, Yep. they're talking. She's not in the the universe very long. So, mm-hmm. is she going to survive this series? Mm-hmm. And and it was really cool the way, and they were really serious about it. Like, you know, how much time should we we put into her if she's not going to be in at the very end? Mm-hmm. And it it was just, and then at the and then at the end of the show, they were trying to find out what her motivation was, mm-hmm. like. Does she have a you know, she she have somehow a, a bad experience with Obi Wan? Why is she so wanting to get rid of him and stuff mm-hmm. like that? And it was really it was really cool and they weren't loud or anything. You know, mm-hmm. I had to like you know, put my ear over to hear them, but it mm-hmm. was really nice to hear that kind of explanation or what they were justifying for why she was there and and I mean I think it's is one of the best We'll we'll talk about it later on, but I just think it's one of the best new villain characters in the Star Wars universe, and boy, is she friggin' evil.
0: Yep. Yep, and and again, we'll get that in the second half yeah. of the show. But but speaking of second, so now you go home, you rest, you turn around, you come back for day two of Star Wars celebration, and did we change up our game at all getting into yeah. the building?
1: Yeah, we're, we're, I was, I got there a little bit later, and I didn't mm-hmm. go into the building until after ten. I'm going, mm-hmm. you know, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm I'm just pushing myself, mm-hmm. and um, so I get in there. And again, I want to try to get into the major panel, and I go to the arena itself Mm -hmm. to get in the standby line. Mm -hmm. Now, because this isn't as popular as Mm -hmm. the other morning panels, Mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to get into. And I got in, I got a good seat, and it was for the Lawrence Kazin made Mm -hmm. Light and Magic series about ILM this panel was a geek's dream Mm -hmm. because it didn't have a recognizable person except maybe uh, Ron Howard Mm -hmm. but it had people that I knew Mm -hmm. from the backgrounds behind the scenes of uh, ILM Dennis Murin was there Mm -hmm. Phil Tippett was there Mm -hmm. Joe Johnson was there it wow. was like, oh my God, these are these are the people who changed the world. Mm-hmm. I I know that John Dijkstra, mm-hmm. he only worked on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But he's the one that basically came up with all the all the technology and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they talk about John a lot, but I didn't see John mentioned too much. Well yeah, I guess he's mentioned in the, the series a lot, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they've interviewed him. I don't know if there's bad blood between, you know, Lucasfilm and, and John Dystra, but mm-hmm. everybody talks about, you know, there's George and there's John. Mm-hmm. And when John's around, you have a great time. When George mm-hmm. is around, everybody's serious. And it's, it, was, it was really an, an interesting tale, and I can't wait to see the whole thing put together
0: that there's a great story from the very first film about they're literally doing some of the effect shots for this in somebody's garage. George is trying to get additional money to finish the effects. And so he convinces an, an executive from Fox that, well, let's go over to where the guys are finishing up the effects of the film. And they arrive at the house where, again, in the garage, they're shooting the the transients and the you know that sort of thing, but they show up at lunch, and evidently what they're doing to entertain themselves during lunch is somebody's gotten a hold of a forklift, and they have this old discarded refrigerator that they're lifting on the forklift as far as up it can, it can go. To then have it crash off the top of it, which the guys think this is the funniest thing they've ever seen on the planet. And so they're in the process of doing this again when George and the the, the very serious George Lucas shows up with the executives trying to persuade to give them more money for effects. And it's like, and here are these loons playing with a forklift and, and breaking a refrigerator. And it's just sort of like, oh, no, okay. Please take us serious. Please give us money. But yeah, there's a reason that George took ILM up to the ranch and up to yeah. San Rafael. You know, it's like, okay, got to well, get controls over these bozos.
1: They told that story. And, oh, and okay. the woman that told it, she said, yeah. and and then they looked, they saw it happen, and they got back into the limo and drove off. Yep. <laughs> but then Phil Tippett said, yep. Yep. oh, yeah, mm-hmm. but John or somebody else was mm-hmm. recording the sound of the refrigerator crashing.
0: Oh, so there, so there was, was a reason. Reason, okay. And then right. she
1: said that, she goes, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell George. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: okay. So that was that because was I had heard that story before, but yeah. I had never heard that they were that there was a reason for it. And Joe Johnson's funny because he says, yeah, I was mm-hmm. in the hot tub.
0: Oh, well, there we go.
1: Watching this whole thing happen. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to see it because these guys change the way we see everything.
0: Think about how the industry changed after people saw the effects work that was done in Star Wars and this new series for Disney Plus debuts on July 27th. So
1: from there, yeah, just the rest of the day, I just went to uh, different panels. I went to mm-hmm. the 20th for thir- the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. and and Morrison and Daniel Logan, uh-huh. they should have their own show. Uh-huh. They were hilarious. They were talking about how they were in the fake cockpit and Mm -hmm. then um, they didn't know what to do and George would say, okay, lean to the left and then they would Mm -hmm. both lean to the left and then Mm -hmm. Django Fett would tell uh, Boba Fett to like push a button or something and then Mm -hmm. they'd lean to the right and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and they didn't know what the heck was going on because it was all blue screen. Mm -hmm. But it was just so wonderful to hear him talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then they were talking about the special effects and and how it was all done on blue screen Mm -hmm. and then they announced and they came on stage, Mm -hmm. Ewan and Christian. And I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, Hayden Christensen is so beloved now Mm -hmm. as Anakin, and when he comes on stage, people just lose their mind. Mm -hmm. And you should see the the smile on his face. I mean, here's all these years that his career was almost totally ruined by these Mm -hmm. films, and now there's just so much love for him for the films because what's happening is the films that they were made for the kids Mm -hmm.
0: that they were made for are now 30 years old. I was very upfront about this at the start of today's show about how not necessarily a fan of, The new trilogy, and I've actually been told by a friend at Lucasfilm, it's like, be sure to use words that are soft and sweet because you may have to eat them later. Yeah. Be ready because in 30 years when the kids who went to go see Rise of Skywalker and they're they're Star Wars, they're the films that they loved. And and in 30 years time, what you're seeing now with the prequels is going to happen again with those movies. So just be ready, because this phenomenon will repeat itself. I'm always a little careful to say, I don't care for them, but I know other people love them. Because in 30 years, I don't want to get beaten with Ray's yeah. lightsaber.
1: <laughs> and then and then I went to another panel. This was easier, and there were better panels. I went to go see a Galaxy far, far away to a Disney park near you. Mm -hmm. And since I am such a Disney fan and such a Disney park fan, it was really cool to see this panel. It started off with um, Tony Baxter. Mm -hmm. And he's still in great shape. And Mm -hmm. he talks about uh, Star Tours, Mm -hmm. which I think, I mean, I, I know we've talked about Star Wars on this show before, but or Star Tours, but it's so neat to hear how they came up with the idea, how they used something that was used for something else, and they mm-hmm. made a technology that now everybody's using. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And then they started talking about, of course, Galaxy's Edge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they talked about um, the Halcyon. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it sold out for a year out.
0: Yeah. According okay. to them, according I, to them, I know, I know, I, I and I know what they say, and I, I guess if you squint and stand sideways, yeah, you're sold out <laughs> for a year. But can you talk about the other big news that they revealed at this panel? That there's about about to be a huge change. Yeah, at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at
1: the very end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just just a, a little bit more. Um, they also talked about how mm-hmm. when Eisner came into Disney and he wanted, right away, he wanted new rides. Mm-hmm. And there were two rides getting ready to go. There was Star Tours and there was Splash Mountain. But mm-hmm. Star Tours was like five years out and Splash Mountain was seven years out. And Eisner said, but I need something now. Mm-hmm. And Eisner knew movies and he says, let's do a movie. And yeah. <laughs> he it goes, who's the biggest pop star right now? Yep. So they got Michael Jackson and of course mm-hmm. Captain Eo, mm-hmm. which is still one of the most it's so wonderful to see that show when mm-hmm. you get a chance. But then they're talking about in Galaxy's Edge, they're mm-hmm. going to add mm-hmm. and it was is it was that night mm-hmm. the the next day they were going to add mm-hmm. Boba Fett and Fennec Shan mm-hmm. to Galaxy's Edge.
0: Which is kind of huge given yeah. that when all of this talk about Black Spire Outpost on the you know the planet of Batu on the Outer Rim, you know, the notion of we are locked into this timeline from the new trilogy. And now this is kind of bowing to what the actual people who pay to go to Disneyland yeah. want to see when they go to Star Wars land at the back of the park. They want to see the characters from the hot new shows, just like they do at Marvel Campus.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and the and the funny thing about it is how they announced it. Mm-hmm. It was they announced it like this was inevitable. Like mm-hmm. this was going to happen all the time. Yeah. It finally came, yeah. and it was really funny the way they, they announced it. You just had the feel the the feeling like oh, they had this plan all from the beginning.
0: Also, uh, let folks know the other shoe that got dropped because it's not just no. The Fe- next
1: next um, uh, in the, in a few months, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be the Mandalorian and mm-hmm. Baby Grogu.
0: Okay, now this is happening at Disneyland Park in Anaheim. Oh, okay. As of right now, this is not happening in Orlando at Disney's Hollywood Studios they would love to be able to do it. But the problem is that they also have to take into consideration that there are people paying five and $6,000 to have their exclusive experience on the galactic star cruiser. And that storyline that is told on the Halcyon is very, very, very much locked into the world of Ray and Kylo Ren and that sort of thing. So it's not that it's not going to happen It's just one of these things where it's like, okay, we may have to be very careful to schedule when Boba Fett and Fennec Chen are are in the land or likewise when the Mandalorian and and Grogu are there. Because it's like when the folks who are coming over on the little shuttle from the Halcyon and doing their three and four hours of wandering around the land those characters can't be seen because this has to represent that time period. But then, you know, immediately after, you know, once they done a head count and everybody's back on the shuttle, it's like, okay, you got to let Grogu out again. Yeah. I'm glad that they finally sort of face up to reality. And it's just sort of like, this is what the public wants, especially in this amazing, hyper-detailed land. They want to see the characters that they love from the shows and to be honest i would not be surprised given the impact she made going forward i, I would really be surprised if Riva doesn't show up and scare oh, yeah. the hell out of everybody it's someday very much in the future but anyway so you you finish your panel yeah and that was
1: that was it for that day. I, my fun was, meter was in the red. So mm-hmm. I went went home um, mm-hmm. and got a little – because the, the night before I didn't get home till about 10. So, oh. But now I wanted to get home early and, and get some sleep because mm-hmm. I knew that trying to get into the ne- the next day panel was going to mm-hmm. be a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Mm-hmm. Went into the shoots, got in there about 10, 20 maybe, mm-hmm. And they started lining up the standby line. And this was Mm -hmm. going to be for the Dave and John Mm -hmm. Mando Plus panel. And there's like a DJ outside. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, playing music and and keeping people entertained. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was a little like. Weird, he was telling people, Well, only the first 50 people are getting in, only the mm-hmm. first you know 50 people will get in, and there's about maybe 150 to 200 people in front of me, mm-hmm. and I'm in the middle of the crowd. Mm-hmm. And um, and he keeps on, and we're in line for a long time, we're in line for about 45 minutes, mm-hmm. and the and he keeps on saying, Only 50 people, only 50 people, and by the time You know, it got to be like 5 to 11. I look behind me. I'm now at the end of the line. I used to be in the middle of the the crowd. I'm at Mm -hmm. the end. I'm going, oh, my gosh, am I going to get in? Mm -hmm. But they let us all in, um, all 200 people in. And I got one of the worst seats in the the whole thing. I was way on the top Mm -hmm. of the third balcony at the Mm -hmm. back row Mm -hmm. all the way to the right. And all I could see was the side of them. But I'm telling you, this was one of the best panels I had been to in my whole entire life. Uh. When John and Dave were announced, Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about standing ovation. Mm -hmm. It was very heartening because these people Mm -hmm. have been changed so much by the Mandalorian and Mm -hmm. by what John and and Dave have done. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because Dave... Filoni is one of the funniest people mm-hmm. and one of the most hilarious, self-depreciating people out there and he you just get the feeling that he's more fan mm-hmm. than he is filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean John Favreau that's the ultimate filmmaker. He gets mm-hmm. up there he knows what he's done. He mm-hmm. knows he started the MCU he mm-hmm. knows he he helped bring back Star Wars. he mm-hmm. knows that he's given us baby Grogu. But Dave is just like the little kid that doesn't believe he's still there doing these things. And every time John would say, Ah, it's it's Star Wars celebration, let's just tell everything, Dave would go, No, no, what are you doing? I, I don't know if I could handle this. What why, why are you what? why are you saying that? And it was just it was just so hilarious and so much fun. Mm. And they started out introducing um, bringing out the Mandalorian, to bring out Pedro. And he just seems so cool. Just, just he, he seems to be having a great time. And he introduces his two stuntmen uh, who play. And one mean um, Brendan Wayne, who's John Wayne's son, grandson. Yeah. So I, that I, was pretty cool. Yep. Hmm? And um, so they introduced them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talk about how much fun they have on the set and, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, Pedro doesn't get, if he doesn't want to do something, he'll just point at one of the stuntmen and then they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be glad to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, then they brought out three more people. Mm-hmm. They brought on Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. who is possibly one of my favorite people in all the world. Mm-hmm. Emily Swallow, who plays the armorer. So now people know what the armorer looks like. Mm-hmm. And then Carl Weathers, Carl Weathers knows how to play a crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is he is Mister Boombastic mm-hmm. He just gets out there and he just loves that. He's now, and somebody's yelling from the, the crowd. They yell Apollo, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he gives the you know recognition of that. Mm-hmm. But it was really neat to uh, Giancarlo is just one of these people. He do you know he started out in musical theater he was in the original um sondheim merrily we roll along was he really he was and then he somehow got connected with spike lee Mm -hmm. and was in all of spike lee's early movies
0: that i did know and now Mm
1: -hmm. he's like one of the the greatest he's he's a, a amazing villain Mm-hmm. He's an amazing um, protagonist antagonist. Mm-hmm. He in everything he's in, he's just so great to see. And then Emily Swallow, I've been a big fan of hers. She was on um, Supernatural for a mm-hmm. while, and now she's doing this. Mm-hmm. And then of course Carl Weathers. It was it was funny because when when John and Dave first got on stage, mm-hmm. there were possibly like like fifteen chairs with mm-hmm. microphones, and mm-hmm. Dave. Dave's going. How how come there's so many? I thought it was just going to be the two of us. Why mm-hmm. is there so many many chairs? Mm-hmm. And then they introduce more people, and um, the person they that comes out next is mm-hmm. um, Temer Morrison, and he comes out there and he does a a, a Maori war dance.
2: Oh, and it cool. was
1: really good because. Mm-hmm. He, I like that he's bringing that into the character of Boba mm-hmm. Fett. I don't mm-hmm. think they ever thought of that, but he mm-hmm. brought it into, and now it is giving it a whole different level.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then he comes out and he talks a little bit about um, Boba Fett and where Boba Fett's going to be uh, going in the next, mm-hmm. and then and that um, that Min, Wog was mm-hmm. wasn't able to make it, and mm-hmm. and then they announce. Then now they were going to talk about season three of mm-hmm. Mandalorian, and as they were, they announced
2: mm-hmm.
1: Bo Katan comes out mm-hmm. with Rick. How do you say his last name? Fama Yeah, mm-hmm. and and he's now executive producer mm-hmm. of and and they they then they show the sizzle reel and they show mm-hmm. a bigger sizzle mm-hmm. reel and there's more Grogu mm-hmm. and and also there's um, Babu Fricks. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny because they showed you know, You see one Babu Frick and then you see a whole bunch of them a whole plethora mm-hmm. of them and then it's like oh okay this is going to be a, a big and and the crowd of course went crazy and then they showed um, of course Carl Weathers in it mm-hmm. and, and then but there was more Grogu and it was really there's a l- lot more action mm-hmm. Bo-Katan is there for Mandalore she mm-hmm. wants to bring it back mm-hmm. but but um, Din Djarin is there because he wants to become a Mandalore again. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a philosophy that's going to change, you know, when you get these two groups together. And, and no, hopefully, no you know, it really seems like it's going to be a, a next step in the whole Mandalore war. The mm-hmm. Then they introduce mm-hmm. Rosario Dawson... Mm-hmm. And since it was Saturday, she mm-hmm. wasn't filming anymore. And mm-hmm. she she came out and she said they've been filming for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And they show very short. I think it was about a minute mm-hmm. preview. And it begins with Ahsoka. And mm-hmm. then you see the back of Hera. Oh. But we don't know who plays Hera. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be um, Mary. Oh, I forgot her name. hmm who, she, she's dating Ewan McGregor right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's supposedly in it. She could be playing Hera. But then at the very end, mm-hmm. they show the back of Sabine mm-hmm. and she is standing in front a live action mm-hmm. version of the mural. Oh. And then she turns around mm-hmm. and then they introduce Chopper So Mm -hmm. I guess Chopper's going to be in the series. Mm -hmm. And they introduce the actress, Natasha. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's going to be playing Sabine. So Mm -hmm. it it should be. And they didn't mention that they implied that um, and Mm -hmm. and Ezra was going to be in there too. But it was just like, you know, and then Dave was going, no, we can't say anything more. You know, that type of thing.
0: And then did you stay in the arena or did they clear yeah, the arena yeah, no, out? No,
1: they. what they do, I think the first day they might have cleared it out. But um, mm-hmm. no, they let you stay in there if you want to um, uh, see the next panel. And I wanted to see the next panel because it was the special effects behind the scenes of Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And it was just very interesting to see how they use the volume and how they use, um, you know, they originally wanted uh, Grogu to be a um, CG character. And, mm-hmm. you know, I first heard that Werner Herzog, mm-hmm. who played the client, mm-hmm. he tried to, he talked them into keeping the, the puppet, mm-hmm. but um, they had made a puppet because they needed something for the eyeline and they were going to replace it. But mm-hmm. then um, everybody just fell in love with the puppet, so then they, they kept the puppet. But mm-hmm. there was a scene where Werner had to like talk to the baby mm-hmm. and it was all shot on him, so you only mm-hmm. saw him. So they had turned off mm-hmm. um, Grogu. And Werner goes up and he looks and he goes, what is wrong with him? Is, is he brain dead? Why isn't he not moving? Mm-hmm. And then they go rush and they turn him on and he goes, ah, that is better. And then he was able to <laughs> To work with the baby, and mm-hmm. I guess the way they saw him react to it, mm-hmm. they realized that everybody who would be watching it would react the same way. So that's why they decided to keep the puppet rather mm-hmm. than that. And so that was that was the panel. It wasn't it wasn't a big panel. Um, they just showed a lot of special effects. Then they were showing tales of the Jedi. But mm-hmm. I wanted to go see. Dan Zier do his Mm. podcast of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. So I went over to the podcast theater, Mm -hmm. and boy, is that guy amazing. Dan and Tom. Mm -hmm. They do a nice job with Coffee with Kenobi. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. Star Wars is a vocation for them. It's a beautiful thing that they spend a lot of time with.
0: No, no, very sincere, very passionate, oh my very God. in-depth knowledge. I mean, in-depth, you know
1: the- and it's beautiful the way they they feel about it. Mm-hmm. They did a top ten Obi Wan, um, mm-hmm. not from the series because both of them had not seen the series, but a top ten Obi Wan mm-hmm. from the the movies, and boy, they really you you sitting there going, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I can see why people are really drawn into Star Wars and what it means to them. And, and they come across as really understanding that. Mm-hmm. No, so, okay. so that was interesting. And, and that was my day. Mm-hmm. And I just, And I went home and got to bed early. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because you had one more day.
1: The, the fourth day. and
0: final day.
1: So got there early. Met a lot of great
0: people. Went to the panel. Now, this one was for The Bad Batch 2. This was for The Bad
1: Batch 2. And people were very excited to be there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're running up the stairs. And I'm Mm -hmm. pushing 60. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking my time. Mm -hmm. And as I get to the second level, Mm -hmm. I feel a push. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think anybody pushed me on purpose. Mm -hmm. I think they were coming around a Mm -hmm. little bit too fast. Mm -hmm. But I went flying Mm -hmm. and I landed hard on my knees Mm -hmm. and then I just did a tuck and roll. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I think about is, oh, my God, I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But then I look up and there are about five people all Mm -hmm. uh, with their hands out, Mm -hmm. just wanting to help me. Mm -hmm. And um, instead of saying, no, I'm okay, I'll do myself, I let them. I let mm-hmm. them help me pick up. They were very concerned. Mm-hmm. I was not hurt. Mm-hmm. I was just embarrassed. But mm-hmm. but it was like one of those things like I just hoped that nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So went to the seat, watched this, mm-hmm. uh, the panel. The panel was great. Again, here's a, a series that they did not think would be made. Mm-hmm. It was going to be part of the seventh season of mm-hmm. Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they got the money for it. And now it's become, you know, huge. And one of the best new characters of any TV show that they have is Omega. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see what they they do with her. So they showed a little preview of that, which is up online, so you can see that. Mm -hmm. And um, they had uh, D. Bradley Baker. There we go. And Mm -hmm. Michelle Ang. And they did a reading, and it's so mm-hmm. funny because D does all the voices, right, mm-hmm. of the of the Bad Batch, and then Aang is uh, Omega, and they mm-hmm. did a little scene, and it was terrific. I shut my eyes and I saw it happening. Mm-hmm. It was it was really cool, and then um, yeah, it's just they say it's um, coming out fall of this year on, on Disney Plus.
0: The thing that. I particularly am jealous of is the next panel where you got to see the last four episodes of the final season of Clone Wars.
1: I have seen it. I saw it before Mm -hmm. and it was terrific of course, Mm -hmm. but to see it with an audience of 4,000 people Mm -hmm. it really is one of the most amazing movies of the Clone Wars series. Mm -hmm. And Dave Filoni comes out afterwards and he talks about it and how, you know, he was philosophing about mm-hmm. how wonderful these characters are and, and that George helped bring out and how this movie was basically about Ahsoka mm-hmm. losing her family mm-hmm. and how even though they were out for blood, Mm-hmm. She did not want to hurt them.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed that beat in these last four episodes. I mean, the facing down Order 66 and how she reacted to it. You know, the the whole notion of I will not take out my family, but I still have to figure out how to survive this.
1: It was really good stuff because there's a lot of things that work better on the big screen, mm-hmm. like when the when they were in the the hanger and, oh, yeah. and the half the thing goes down and yep. then, and then she goes down and then it goes up again. It mm-hmm. works better on that. And and when you saw it too, it was all in um, widescreen. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anamorphic like cinemascope. And mm-hmm. it was just, it wasn't boring. It, mm-hmm. You know, even though you've seen it before, you knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam Witwer does such an amazing job as, Darth Maul, or well not Darth mm. Maul, but Lord Maul, and mm-hmm. it it really is, it's something to watch again. Mm-hmm. But if you ever get a chance at any you know celebration, if they show it again. Just try to watch it because it really is terrific. Okay. So I stood there, sat there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, then they promised the um, celebration finale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay. I'll stay here. I mean, if they, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, they did such a great job on the mm-hmm. other panels, maybe they're going to have some special thing. Well, it was basically in each room mm-hmm. they would have a group of people who were hosts, mm-hmm. and in the main, they, they would have a DJ, and then they would mm-hmm. have an announcer and, and stuff like that. In each room, they would have that. So mm-hmm. that's basically what they did. They mm-hmm. went to each room, mm-hmm. and those people gave their wrap-up of, of what the celebration meant to them, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go back to the celebration stage, which I was at, and they uh, introduce one more special guest, and mm-hmm. it was Rupert Friend, uh, the Grand Inquisitor from Kenobi. And mm-hmm. he gets up there, and he says, next year, actually quicker than next year, in April mm-hmm. is the next Star Wars a celebration and it's going to be in and everybody's all excited mm-hmm. and then the thing comes up there london everybody ah, ah.
0: Yeah, always interesting moment when the air goes out of the room and it's like oh good for them but i won't go to that
1: yeah and then it was it, then it was it was over mm-hmm. <laughs> then it was like it was gone and and everybody just sat there going is that all Mm-hmm. Now we have to go home, mm-hmm. but it was really a wonderful, mm-hmm. um, I, I will definitely go back to as many of these as I can. Just the, the panels are fun. There are a couple of things I missed. They had a, um, a Mandalorian uh, like museum where they showed mm-hmm. things from the, the series and stuff, and I, was mm-hmm. a, I wasn't able to get into that. But there's a, workarounds for
0: everything. Thank you for putting in the like, full four days and doing a great job covering the show. And But we still have more story, folks. If you, if you hang in there on the second half of today's show, we're going to talk about the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
0: Before we get started here, I want to remind folks of a key moment from uh, The New Hope. After the Bloody Falcon has been tractor-beamed into the Death Star and Luke and Han and the droids, along with Obi-Wan get out and they're off doing their various things in inside of the Death Star and there's the moment in the detention center where Han is, we're fine here, you're great, you know, how are you? You know, <laughs> where, where Luke is running up the hall to release Leia and opens the door and, and Leia's response is, aren't you a little short for a Stormtrooper? And he's like, oh, oh, Han, huh. get the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you. You're who? Luke continues, I'm here to rescue you. I've got your, your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And it's at that moment where she's just sort of very dismissive, but Ben Kenobi looks like, where is he? And it just immediately, you know, let's go now. And looks like, come on. And it's like, I hadn't thought from that moment, ever watching this movie, that Leia and, and Ben really had any history, which is what has been so much fun about these first two episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi. I, I, I've seen your take on this, Brian, and you kind of view Young Leia as more of a trope than anything, but you know there's a reason you use cliches. You know yes, that, that absolutely. they they work. They yep. work. So let's talk about. And by the way, there are going to be some spoilers, folks. So you, in describing the show, the first two episodes are. You say a slow burn. Is that right?
1: Yeah. It it, it starts off mm-hmm. as you have this feeling of dread. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, because you you know what what mm-hmm. eventually had happened to mm-hmm. Obi Wan, you see mm-hmm. him there, and there's not a lot of dialogue. You just watch mm-hmm. him, his he do. He's now, well, it first opens up with mm-hmm. his life flashes before his eyes, basically, mm-hmm. and you see almost everybody mm-hmm. and, and almost every scene from the original series mm-hmm. from the prequels. And then he wakes up and I think he calls out for mm-hmm. Quin John and tries to you know hold out to, to something to, to you know still a part of him mm-hmm. and and then you just see his life and he living in a cave right now mm-hmm. and he works at a it's it's like a factory that mm-hmm. I, I think with the crate dragon mm-hmm. that they're they're cutting off meat and he say, he always saves a piece of meat. For his... Uh, what are those camel animals called?
0: He putty he... Put he uh, yeah, oh, right. a, him. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and he always... But you're always afraid that maybe mm-hmm. he'll be caught and, mm-hmm. you know, and and reprimanded or, or something mm-hmm. like that. But you, you don't get the idea that he has a good life. Mm-hmm. And you just have this feeling of dread and... Mm-hmm. And and they they show things that he does. He gets a little bit of a, he gets a um, a toy
0: a mm-hmm. like a. Well, I love that scene with the shower. Yeah, you know, if you're going to steal pieces off of my uh, you know, evaporator, at least, at least, at least clean steal. them before you sell them back to me. That you know? uh, costs extra. Yeah, okay, you know okay. that.
1: But the whole thing, the whole setup, mm-hmm. and even into the second, it's not it's not a series. It's not a television series at all. Mm-hmm. It is a movie. You are getting six chapters of Mm -hmm. a movie, just like Mm -hmm. with Moonlight. Moonlight Mm -hmm. was six chapters of a movie. But Mandalorian and um, Boba Fett, those are all episodic Mm -hmm. shows. This is not. And the characters they introduce, like the Inquisitors, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there's just...
0: That was quite the introduction. I have to admit, you immediately got the stakes. You immediately got that these are not nice people and what the world is like now in this particular period of time in, in the Star Wars universe. So
1: we were first introduced to the Inquisitors in, in Rebels. Is that I want to say
0: yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Because mm-hmm. now I'm hearing things that Um, It was put together by the Emperor and Vader, Mm -hmm. and he put together the the Grand Inquisitor, and they got these kids, I guess, Mm -hmm. that were Force-sensitive, and they turned them into the Inquisitors, the brother and the
0: sisters. By the way, before we continue here, it's one of those very strange moments where the real world intrudes.
1: Oh, yes, yes.
0: Revenge of the Sith. You know, one of the moments that people always talk about is that moment where Anakin enters the room with the younglings and it's, you know, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? And the way that kid reacts when the the lightsaber comes on, particularly after the genuinely awful school shooting in Texas, to to be back in that moment to literally that's You know, I mean, again, I'm sure nobody, when they were making this, realized that this would be the week that this particular episode of Obi-Wan would drop. But that was strangely that more resonant, that much more powerful. And in fact, that, that, what do we do now? We run. Run, yeah. It became that much more powerful because of... The real world intruding, but I'm sorry that came to mind. You were talking about the finding the four sensitive kids and then training them to be part of the Inquisitors to chase down the Jedi. In fact, what did you think of that scene in the desert where he's coming back after having actually gone to Peru and, and Owen's farm and leaving the toy, the one that he was hoped that Luke, you know Luke would put together at the farm? And then being found in the desert by the the, the jedi that the inquisitors had had found in the, the in the town and uh and the whole notion of you've got to help me it's like no, go bury your your lightsaber, go keep quiet life. It's over. we lost I think you when we were talking earlier about this, you made this wonderful observation about how in a weird sort of way, this is kind of like rocky five right
1: well yeah, you just you had this feeling. That this is a broken mm-hmm. man, that mm-hmm. he is so, He it's not that he's feeling sorry for himself, mm-hmm. but he's just, he just doesn't have the will anymore. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of Rocky Five, mm-hmm. he was just down on his luck. He, mm-hmm. he was, he knew that, you know, he had something in the past, mm-hmm. but n- now the future didn't have that for him anymore, and that's mm-hmm. the way I felt that Kenobi did. He had mm-hmm. nothing left to live anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, the closest thing that he had mm-hmm. to to joy was mm-hmm. to give his his animal the piece of meat mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and that that's the, that's the thing he did every day. And mm-hmm. and also, you know, when he gave the toy, mm-hmm. uh, when he put the toy there, hopefully the mm-hmm. Luke would find. Remember, I mean, he does not know, at this time, he does not know that Anakin survived.
0: That's the one thing that I'm having a little trouble with. It's been 10 years, right? Right. And he's never heard of Darth Vader by this point? Or they didn't put it together that Anakin is Darth Vader? Well, I'm
1: also getting the idea that the Inquisitors haven't reached Tantooine until now. Um, and that Tantooine is so far away from everything mm-hmm. that nobody knows. I mean, look at Luke Skywalker is his name. Mm-hmm. Does Anakin Skywalker figure that out at all? Um,
0: interesting point. So, okay.
1: so the, I don't think that, I, I think it's, it's possible to believe mm-hmm. that he may not think. And also, out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. is Leia. Mm-hmm. I mean, he delivered Leia to the or- Organas, mm-hmm. but he is responsible for Luke, and Leia is not... Because, of course, he thinks that Luke is going to be the chosen one now. Mm-hmm. And so, he's going to focus on that, and he w- he's going to get to the point where he wants to train him. But mm-hmm. then Owen, of course... Mm-hmm. Owen is, like, one of the most complicated characters. Because, first yeah. of all, you don't get the idea that he... That, I mean, is he protecting Luke or is he mm. protecting himself? Mm-hmm. But, again, he doesn't give up Obi-Wan when mm. the when he is threatened.
0: Yeah, that, that was a, a, an intense scene as well. And more to the point, clearly gave you a lot of insight into who Reva is oh. and what this woman is capable of, which is some pretty heinous stuff. I,
1: I don't think there has been a more evil. Mm-hmm. And and maybe because it's live action, because mm-hmm. in the cartoons, I mean, mm-hmm. Thrawn is really bad and so are the Inquisitor. Well, the Inquisitor is pretty, you know, is different in the, the cartoons, but Reva is real. Mm-hmm. And she is just, you can look at, you can see it in her eyes, you can see it the way she holds herself. Mm-hmm. And, and and she just scares the heck out of me, and,
0: mm-hmm. and she should.
1: And the the actress who plays her Moses Ingram is just one of the biggest finds, mm-hmm. you know, of the the modern. I can't wait to see her in more things. But again, with this character though, how mm-hmm. far are we going to see this character go? Are we going to mm-hmm. continue to see her? Is is this you know, since she's not in any of the the she's not in rebels or anything Mm -hmm. like that does she meet her demise on this you know at Mm -hmm. obi-wan's hands i mean this is this is something to conjecture or just sit back and relax and watch it
0: yeah i mean i i have to admit at this point i'm along for the ride if we can uh, step ahead here you know the the scenes that take us to older and whoever it was who decided years and years ago now to get Jimmy Smith's involved in oh, the Star Wars universe. That guy, I mean, just talk about an MVP. I mean, I, he doesn't get a lot of screen time, which is kind of a shame. You know, when you look over the, the, the whole of the Star Wars saga, but when he's on screen, there's an authority, there's an authenticity, just his role in this limited series immediately you get that he's a loving dad you get that he's a deft leader of his planet he's a man who's desperate to get his daughter back and and the fact that obi-wan turns him down yeah, initially you know yeah. and i also i love the economy of the storytelling here the whole notion of when when you see Obi-Wan go back to, you know, for the first time to his cave and you see the little mechanical piece pop up and it's blue, it's fine. Right. It's safe to go in. So that later in the first episode, when it glows over, it's like, okay, somebody's here. You need to be careful. But of course it's Leia's dad. And it's like, you have to help you. I, I came all this way. You have to help. But even then, you know, the whole notion of the conversation That Obi-Wan had with the Jedi that was fleeing the city to the effect of, take your lightsaber, take it out in the desert and bury it. Yeah. But you told me that so you could show me this, that he practiced what he preached, that before he flew off to, to try to rescue Leia, that he had to go out in the desert and dig up his own lightsaber. Which brings us to episode two, which seemed to be on a seedier version of Coruscant. What did you think of that one?
1: Well, of course it was different in tone and it was mm-hmm. just setting up, the, you know, the, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. now there's an adventure mm-hmm. going on. I know that John and David started this with mm-hmm. their um, Mandalorian, but to bring in cameos or mm-hmm. or just character actors mm-hmm. that not a lot of people know who they are, like with Amy Sedaris in Mandalorian and mm-hmm. then seeing Flea no. from Red Hot Chili Peppers in yep. this was just it blew my mind, and mm-hmm. it was funny because um, the kid, the guys I sat next to, mm-hmm. when the the credit came up, Flee goes, mm-hmm. which one was Flee? I go, he's the bad guy. He goes, mm-hmm. I did not recognize him, but it was just so neat to to see stuff like that, and then mm-hmm. um, Kamal, mm-hmm. Johnny, um, as the fake mm-hmm.
0: Jedi. Yeah, with his magnets and remote controls. Yeah, but
1: the cool thing about it was mm-hmm. he wasn't a fake Jedi to be a con man mm-hmm. as much as he was a fake Jedi to give people
0: hope. Yeah, and I have to admit, I don't know if the scene with Kamal and, and Riva in the alley entirely worked for me, but I... I think you pointed out very early in today's show about one of the things that's really a thread that runs through all of the Star Wars stories is people changing, people having hope, the people you least count on coming through. I mean, you and I have talked about, you know, when you saw Star Wars for the first time and Luke's in the trench and Darth Vader and I have you now and then diving out of the sun. Han and the Millennium Falcon. You know the guy who went away, you know, abandoned his friends, and he came back. So uh, this is something that does happen in Star Wars stories. And when I, I have to admit, I enjoyed that moment. I'm, I'm not a jerk. You know, I just, yeah, you know, just I will help you. I'll buy you some time. There's the, That's how you can get off the planet. I made a transport, but you got to get there, and let me buy you some time.
1: Yeah, and then would he like help the other people too? Yeah, he got money from them, mm-hmm. but he does have the, his scam was actually getting people off the planet when they were yeah. in danger.
2: Yeah,
1: and, this is and, true. And see, you wouldn't go to a con man, mm-hmm. but you would go to a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he uses that as, yeah, yes, he makes money from it, but still, mm-hmm. that's how he keeps his operation mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. And I know I did say that um, mm-hmm. Princess Leia was kind of like the the bratty trope, but mm-hmm. it kind of follows into what her mother was, what her father was, what she was, and it was it was more acceptable than when we were first um, introduced to Ahsoka, and mm-hmm. you know, everything Ahsoka did was just like, oh man, please, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, the whole running in and out, you know, the, the whole I mean, I got a, a a Blade Runner vibe through the whole mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. um, and even even like from the bad batch and stuff like that, it just mm-hmm. it seemed
0: to be well, I don't even know where they're gonna go from from here. I mean it just In your your show notes here you talk about how, you know, there were people who were upset when they heard that Rupert Friend was was hired at the Grand Inquisitor, and you know, why not didn't Jason they get... Isaac,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: and now we know why, <laughs> you know, because that's we're going to surprise you. I have to admit, I kind of enjoy that. I don't know where we're going to go with these next four episodes, but but the end scene of episode two with a, a certain somebody at a Baca tank, you know, yeah. uh, suddenly waking up what sort of reaction did they... I mean, you're sitting there with 2,000 of the biggest Star Wars fans on the planet. Right. What happened when that happened?
1: First of all, Star Wars fans are probably some of the most intelligent people on the planet. Mm-hmm. So, when they cut to that scene and you got the yep. long shot, they yep. knew exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. You did not need the, the, you know, the zoom in. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was show the mm-hmm. tank and they yep. were ready for it. Mm-hmm. And they went crazy and mm-hmm. uh, you almost felt like people were just you know it was like seeing you know the messiah you mm-hmm. know ty- type of thing mm-hmm. because here you met mm-hmm. Riva who is evil beyond but then mm-hmm. after she does what she does mm-hmm. and then you see is she channeling him because mm-hmm. she basically says she's doing this for Lord Lord Vader Mm-hmm. And you don't, you know, you don't know the connection yet, mm-hmm. and the audience, of course, went crazy. They just, mm-hmm. you know, and they all stood up and cheered. and mm-hmm. And I wasn't even in the main audience; I was in the um, the secondary stage. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I heard any negativity from anybody in in that at all. Everybody was very the the people next to me. They all they wanted to know was. What was her connection with Obi-Wan? Why did she have such a, a bug up her butt about him? Mm-hmm. And are we going to see about it? And I, I basically think that her deal with Obi-Wan is because of Vader. Could be. Could be. Knowing what Vader and Obi-Wan went through. hmm and then you get New Hope, where they have their final showdown. Yep. It really does it. It's a, like anticlimactic.
0: I'm willing to forgive anything that has a great ending. And yes. the book of Boba Fett had a great ending. I get that people complained that it became the Mandalorian in the middle, but that, that last episode, that was fine. Given the the assured storytelling of the first two Episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, and again, I'm, I'm willing to give these guys four to see how we get there. I'm a little concerned about the fact that this was supposed to be the moment after all these years that they fought. And the notion that we're going to get another fight somewhere in the middle that we've never heard of before. Yeah. At this point, these guys, I trust these guys as storytellers. It's like, okay, willing to cut them some slack here. But also remember, you know, Leia up until this point has never talked about having her own relationship yeah. with, with, with Odeon. Yeah. In fact, remember on the Millennium Falcon, there is literally this moment where it's after they've gotten off the Death Star and it's in that weird little conference room with the 3D chess places. And Luke is like, I can't believe he's gone. And Leia's like, there wasn't anything you could have done, and then and Han just runs into the room. And it's like, come on, buddy, we're not out of this yet. So maybe if there'd been another ten seconds before Han had rushed into the room to send Luke down to the gunport, we would have gotten a line in there. To the effect of, he was important to me too. I met him when I was a kid. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they they justify that. You know, the, how they weave that back that narrative thread back into the the tapestry that is Star Wars. Well, I
1: think they've set it up for that, too. I mean, what you said, we never knew that she had a relationship with him before, but Mm -hmm. now that you look back on it, Mm -hmm. the way she talks to R2, the way she talks to the... She expected Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan to know who she was. yeah, And that Obi-Wan kept his cards to his vest...
0: You know, not giving away anything. <laughs> well, again, that that's Alec Guinness. I mean, when you watch that scene now, R2 is broadcasting the hologram, and that's the exact right phrase. He is holding his cards. He is hes watching this, taking this in, and, and immediately turns to look at the, you need to train as a Jedi, because <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> you know? So I would love for you to talk about what happened at the end of the screening of Obi-Wan, you know, who came out on stage?
1: Oh, yeah. At the very end, they introduced, of course, Christian uh, Hayden and, mm-hmm. and Ewan came out. And then mm-hmm. they brought out other people that mm-hmm. were going to be in the series, including mm-hmm. uh, Sean O'Shea Jr., mm-hmm. who is Ice Cube's son. Oh. And I do not know what he is going to be. Mm-hmm. but um he's gonna be in later on and mm-hmm. and then they just got the idea that there's this whole group of people mm-hmm. in the next four uh, the episodes that are are just gonna bring the story to fruition. Well,
0: Did't Vivian Lyra Blair come out on Sage's world our young leah yeah she was the last person to um and then they go and of
1: course and then out comes uh Princess Leah. Uh, Leia, uh, young princess Leia, and the crowd goes crazy, of course. And she was saying, "I'm so excited to be here" and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, and it was really is cool to see her because she's like the breakout star from this show. Mm -hmm. She's gonna be so. I think we're gonna see more of her if you look on.
0: Oh, I have. If you look on internet
1: data, um, internet movie database, Mm -hmm. she's the first one Mm -hmm. that is um, in the the main actors thing Mm. so that i think is going to be very um cool to see you know what they do with her character and who knows maybe there's another series coming down the pike
0: with with that too that could well be so brian i you did such a great job well thank you thank you so much for stepping on the plate jim you were always there you know, as a, a
1: specter behind me pushing me on because I'm going, I can't let Jim down. I have to do these things. I don't care. I don't care if I can't breathe. It's fine. <laughs> I can I have to do this. But no, I enjoy every aspect of it. I love I love crowds. I love mm-hmm. people. I love chaos. Um, I'm one of those people. Well,
0: then you you love a con, then. I love a con.
1: I love Disneyland. I love,
0: I even love the airport. Oof. Okay. That's a bridge too far for me. (laughs) Okay. Well, folks, uh, that is going to do it for this supersized, but deservedly supersized. There was a lot of info to share here. Brian, people, of course, want to be able to follow you on social media. So where can they do that?
1: Well, I am um, on Twitter at uh, Geek. Mm -hmm. With children, and children is spelled Mm C-H-I-L-D-R-N, no E. So, yeah, you'll see me on there talking about Star Wars and other things.
0: Cool, cool. All right. Well, Nancy would like me to remind you folks that you can find us on on social media. uh, On Twitter and Instagram, is Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook, is Jim Hill Media News. Uh, Look forward to seeing you there. And I guess for now, that's going to do it. So uh, thanks for listening. And again, thanks f- to Brian for, for toughing it out for yeah. all four days of Star Wars Celebration. But uh, some, some great coverage, some great reporting. Uh, thanks again. And we'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks' time. Till then, take care.